Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKFIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, welcome. It's the Sick Podcast NHL Trade Deadline Edition. Along with Dave Pagnota, my NHL insider of the fourth period.com. How you doing, bud? Not too bad, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Going extremely well. Thanks for doing this. Anytime we talk trades, you know that you're one of the first people that I call and I contact. So once again, thank you. This is going to be a treat for all hockey fans. It is Sunday night, April 11th. Trade deadline day is Monday, April 12th at 3 p.m. Officially, of course, there's some trades that end up coming in after 3 p.m with all the paperwork being done and all that stuff. But Dave, this is a different kind of trade deadline day. Why? Well, with the pandemic being what it is, usually NHL teams, front offices, they gather in what is called a war room where they're all together. And this year, it's a lot different, of course. Everyone is doing it from their own place and their own home and stuff like that. I'm sure they have means of communication. It's a little bit different. Of course, we know that cap implications are different with teams wanting to take on salary. It is a gate-driven league for the most part. Uh, there are no fans in the stands for the most part. There's no money coming in. And so there are a lot of teams that are reluctant to take on salary. And we're seeing that when teams put players on waivers, if those players have not only salary but term, Dave, they don't get picked up. Yeah, it's it's you're right. It's a totally different year. It's it, The economics of everything have complicated things leading up to you know, not just the deadline, but trying to plan even beyond that into the off season for teams that are pretty much out of it. It's been a, it's been a big challenge. And even like you said, dealing with this now, you know, you got a GM in one office, you got his AGM in, a, in his home. It, it makes things a lot more complicated, but um, you know, we're seeing a little bit of activity. We're, we're seeing more uh, as, as we get closer to the deadline on, on Monday at 3 PM Eastern. So it's, you know, you get a little bit of excitement here, but everything is taken into account, especially on the dollars and cents. And, um, you know, you got to make sure that, as you mentioned, gate-driven league, you got to make sure that your projections are crisp if if you're going to be spending some extra cash in these next few hours here. All right, we will get to the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, we're in Montreal, and a lot of Canadiens fans want to know what the Canadiens are going to do, if they're going to do anything. They did make a move earlier on today. They acquired, they acquired defenseman John Merrill. Uh, from the Detroit Red Wings, which we are going to get to. Some of the big names that were being talked about, all right? Uh, David Savard has already been traded. Nick Foligno has already been traded. Let's take a look at the activity that's taken place this weekend and take a look at the uh, trade tracker, of course. The Florida Panthers acquired defenseman Brandon Montour. In exchange, the Buffalo Sabres got a 2021 third-round pick. That happened this weekend. Dave? It's only normal that Buffalo, who's not going to make the playoffs, are going to be a seller, and it's only normal they'd rather get prospects and or draft picks in return. Yeah, exactly. And, and as we wait on the next domino to fall in Buffalo, it could be Taylor Hall, could be Linus Olmark. Um, he's a UFA at the end of the season. They tried to get him to sign a contract extension with the club. Not happening. Not right now, from what I'm being told. He's going to test the waters as a free agent. So now Buffalo has a decision to make. Do they want to move the goalie? Do they not want to move him? Do they want to take their chances? He's going to test the waters regardless. So we may see 
Olmark be another guy that's moved out of out of Buffalo and, and they got to f- figure out what's going on with Hall, Rasmus Ristolainen, Colin Miller. All of these guys are getting some attention as well. It's going to be busy, uh, no question, for the Buffalo Sabres. But you're right. I mean, the money is is an, an issue for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And the Buffalo Sabres want to recoup not only the money, but as, as many picks and futures as they can get. Okay, while we're on the Buffalo Sabres, you just mentioned Taylor Hall. He was the big free agent uh, splash signing. It caught a lot of people by surprise that he ended up signing a one-year deal. Everyone thought that this guy was going on a six-year deal, a seven-year deal in unrestricted free agency. Because of the pandemic, because of teams not wanting to spend, um, not a lot of teams were interested in giving him the money that he wanted for the term that he wanted. So he took a chance on himself and he bet on himself. It really doesn't look like that was the good move right now, Dave. He's got a couple of goals. He's got less than 20 points. Nevertheless, he's a player that a lot of teams would want to acquire because A, no one's looked good in Buffalo this season. (laughs) And B, this guy's going to be playing for a contract. So he has everything to prove the rest of the way and what he hopes to be a long playoff push. Not going to happen in Buffalo. They're not going to lose him for nothing. He's not going to resign with the Buffalo Sabres. He has $8 million on the salary. With it being close to the end of the season, of course, teams are not on the hook for that. Buffalo is willing to pay a part of the salary if teams are up against the cap. Dave Pagnota of the fourth period, what are you hearing? Yeah, well, it looks like they're going to eat about half of that, um, you know, retain half. And we're seeing this trend like Columbus did it with Savard and with Felino. They ate half of uh, their salaries. They got a third team to come in to eat another quarter of it. Uh, it. It looks like if Hall's getting traded or when Hall gets traded and it, it could be very soon, it's it's going to be half. So you're looking at four million dollars at most that you're going to have to bring on to your salary cap. So we'll see exactly how this kind of unfolds. And I keep looking down because I keep getting messages every yeah. every now and again. But it looks like Taylor Hall uh, might be going actually pretty quickly here. So we'll see exactly how this tra- transpires. But um, uh, they they want to recoup, as you said, as much as as much as you can here. Washington is in on the mix as are the the uh, Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota to a certain extent. But you got to keep in mind, Paul also has a no-movement clause. So he can dictate where he wants to go yeah. as part of all of this. So we'll see how, how this kind of unfolds. But it looks like, based on my phone kind of blowing up here in the last little bit, it looks like we may get some action on Hall in, in pretty short order here, possibly even while we're still on. All right. Well, that'd be cool. It's the Sick Podcast, and it's brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPICKS for a 50% deposit bonus Bet, win, get paid. You can place your bets on mybookie.ag. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast, along with David Pagnotto, the fourth period, who's taking a look at his phone. I am too. It's okay. I think we're allowed to do that. All right. Back to the okay. tracker we go. The San Jose Sharks, uh, they acquire a fifth-round pick and defenseman Greg Patteron. The Colorado Avalanche acquire goalie Devin Dubnik. And this is a goalie who's had his ups and downs but if he gets hot, we know he's a big guy, Dave. If he gets hot, he could be as hot as a firecracker. Yeah, and, and that's what Colorado wanted. They wanted to make sure that they can, uh, you know, if there's a scenario, and we saw this in the past, where goaltenders, you need two. Nowadays, you need three because of all the games that are being played. You know, you you got to roll with the hot hand. And yeah. Dubnik's a guy, you know, Vesna candidate. He's a guy that certainly knows what it takes to win rough situation for him you know going to San Jose thought he was going to be able to rebound just didn't work but Colorado brings in a guy that kind of solidifies their positioning between the pipes and if they have to 
you know, go to him. They feel more comfortable with a veteran who's also a good guy in the room versus, you know, Jonas Johansson, who they got from Buffalo, who had a shutout the other night. But you get that veteran presence, especially in the playoffs, that's so important for a lot of teams. And Colorado checked that one off their list because that was something they really wanted to do before the deadline, and they were able to accomplish it. And I think, I believe, Dubnik's with the team right now as they're yeah. playing. I think he made it to uh, to wherever they are, to Denver or wherever. All right, okay, it's the Sick Podcast. It's NHL Trade Deadline Live Show. I'm Marinaro. He's David Pagnota of the fourth period. We are live on Facebook, on the Facebook page of the Sick Podcast. If you have questions, throw them out there. We're going to try and get to them and uh, like it and share it with your friends. Jerry has a question. Why don't we get to it? I know we said we'd talk Habs a little bit later, but Jerry says, who would you give away from the Montreal Canadiens roster? Dave, out of all the Montreal Canadiens players, are there names that are in play? There were before Brendan Gallagher went down. You know, Artur Lekkinen was a guy, because he's got, a, I think, a, a $2.4 million cap hit, something like that. It looked like the the Canadians were willing to move that out in order to bring in some some bodies. I, I haven't heard too much lately in terms of guys moving out because they have a little bit of extra cap flexibility because of, of Gallagher going on LTIR. Um, but if, if they're willing to move him then, it means that they would be willing to move him now if the right deal kind of presented itself. So they got John Merrill. They solidified, at least for now anyway, they feel they solidified their defensive core because they wanted somebody like him. They were on, in on him for a little bit. I'm curious to see if, if Bergevin is just kind of waiting in the weeds, trying to see if something pops up. And because, you know, we're seeing so many guys fall off the board already today, yeah. we may see some players that may move tomorrow for cheaper than what's going out today. I can see Bergevin kind of taking that into account and possibly pouncing if the opportunity pops up. And that question regarding which Montreal Canadiens players are in play here was courtesy of Jerry Zontiras. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Jerry, thank you very much for sending us that question. Marinero, the sick podcast. Uh, it should be noted for those who missed it earlier today, the Montreal Canadiens placed defenseman Victor Mete on waivers. Uh, we found out earlier on in the season, probably about a month into the season, that Mete's agent had requested a trade from the Montreal Canadiens. Mete was on a one-year deal, wasn't getting into the Montreal Canadiens lineup. He has, as of late, of course, with the Ben Sherratt injury, but his agent would have liked to have gone to another team, play more often, try and show his worth, and probably end up getting a long-term contract because his contract is up at the end of the year. By placing him on waivers, Dave Pagnota, the Canadians were trying to get some cap flexibility, of course. And with the addition of John Merrill, it just goes to show you that if Mete gets picked up tomorrow by noon, the Canadians are okay. They're okay with that. Yeah, they are. And they got options, right? Because he's, you know, his money goes down to the farm club or to the taxi squad. There's no cap hit against it. And Merrill's only 925000 So it's not like you're bringing in a two, $3 million player by any stretch. So it makes things a little bit easier for, for the Canadians moving forward. Because, you know, the, the waiver wire is at noon. So they'll have three hours, roughly, really two and a half, to try to make another move if they need to, if, if Mete's either picked up or not. Now, it sounds like there's some interest in Victor Mete as a freebie. So we'll see if he ends up getting plucked on waivers. But the Canadians felt that they wanted a more experienced presence there. Merrill, of course, was on a run with Vegas. So he's got the playoff experience too. 
I think this is a good ad for them. Obviously not the star power that, you know, a lot of fans may want, yeah. um, but he's a sturdy guy. He was playing 19 minutes in Detroit. So, I mean, you know, and he was a plus Tony. So on Detroit, so that's, that's tough to do. So he's, he's a sturdy guy in the back end, but not obviously that's that star presence. The Columbus Blue Jackets and David Savard, as a matter of fact, the Columbus Blue Jackets have several players that you would think would, uh, would interest teams down the stretch here. They're in seventh place in the central to make the playoffs. You have to be in the top four. As we speak, there's seven points behind the fourth place Nashville Predators who have a game in hand. So the Columbus Blue Jackets have decided that, you know what? It's not going to work out this year. We are going to become a seller. And as it turns out, David Savard is no longer a Columbus Blue Jacket. A trade that has him going to the Red Wings. In the end, the Red Wings end up making a deal. He ends up a Tampa Bay Lightning. Break it down for us, Dave Pagnota. Well, look, Tampa got very creative here because they've been looking at bringing in a top four defenseman for some time, but they needed to make the money work. So in order for that to happen, they brought in Detroit. Detroit eats a quarter of his overall salary. Columbus eats half of it. So Tampa's only on the hook for 1.0625, whatever it is. Um, and because they have so much, you know, or so tiny bit of uh, cap flexibility, they put Jan Ruda on LTIR. So now they're cap compliant. It cost them a first-round pick and a fourth, but they were able to make this happen to solidify their their, their defensive core. And if you're a team like uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're just coming off a Stanley Cup championship, you feel you've got enough to rebound and to, and to go back-to-back. Back. Yeah. Remember, you got Kucherov coming back in the playoffs. So this is a stacked team. They wanted to bring in a sturdy, reliable guy on that back end because of how much pressure is going to be in that de- in their defensive zone in front of Andre Vasilevsky. So this was a smart move, certainly, by Tampa. They crept up in the last you know few weeks trying to make this happen. We're able to get Detroit in the mix to make the money work. Tampa Bay also acquires defenseman Brian Lashoff, and in return, the Columbus Blue Jackets, in exchange for Savard and Lashoff, end up getting a 2021 first-round pick, a 2021 fourth-round pick, and a 2022 third-round pick. There were a couple of other deals. We'll get to the Canadians acquiring John Merrill in just a second. Probably the biggest of the day being the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring forward Nick Foligno. Here you have a guy who is a captain. Here you have a guy who's a leader. Here's a guy who has a lot of playoff experience. And in return, the Columbus Blue Jackets get a 2021 first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2022. How do you like this trade for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I, I love it. Uh, this is this is a player, a type of player that Toronto has needed for a long time. A physical guy, he'll go into the corners, he'll get in front of the net, he'll throw the body around, and you know he's he's a guy capable of playing top six minutes. And we saw this, and, and Toronto saw this firsthand last year in the bubble yeah. when they played Columbus, and Felino was just all over them. And that's the kind of guy you need especially come playoff time. The Canadians have some of those types of players. Toronto doesn't really have that. So for for the Leafs, I mean, it was key to get this guy in there because of the type of player he is. He's also a heck of a leader. He's a, he's a great guy, strong in the room. He's motivated to go right before this. He's speaking to the media saying that he's excited to be part of the Maple Leafs. He felt that his, you know, this is where his heart should have, should have taken him. And we'll see exactly, you know, how he performs. He's got a quarantine for seven days. Uh, but this was a really good move for the Maple Leafs, and a team that's going all in. They gave up the first-round pick. They gave up a couple fourth-round picks as well. Um, similar situation to Savard. Columbus eats half his salary. They got San Jose to come in to eat a quarter of it. So Toronto's only on the hook for a quarter of his $5.5 million cap hit. 
So definitely strategic in that in regard and, and very clever, but also very shrewd in trying to bring in a guy who can not only play the wing, but he can play the center position as well. So it gives Toronto a little bit of uh, flexibility in how they're going to match up against opponents come playoff time. It's the Sick Podcast. We're live on Facebook. Like it and share it with your friends. Here's a question coming in from Jordan. Is Kyle Dubas done after acquiring Nick Foligno or is something else brewing in Toronto? Dave Pagnota? I think they're still looking. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a depth defenseman because you could always use one of those guys, um, but also the goaltending market. Toronto's been looking around for a, a goalie not to you know replace uh, uh, Freddie Anderson by any stretch, but to bring in somebody because they're expecting Freddie to come back by the end of the regular season. So they'll have Anderson and Jack Campbell, who's just been electric, but they want somebody else to come in in case somebody gets hurt. I don't believe there's too much confidence in, in Michael Hutchinson. So if they can get a better goaltender to come in as a third string and, and play some, some games as well, or at least back up uh, down the stretch going into the postseason, I think that's what they'd like to do. The Montreal Canadiens have lost, lost four of their last five games. Uh, in what looked like was going to be a lock to make the playoffs this year because Vancouver and Calgary were off the mark. Now, all of a sudden, Canadians fans are a little nervous. The Calgary Flames are six points behind. Yes, the Flames have played three more games than the Montreal Canadiens, but the Vancouver Canucks are eight points behind the Canadians, and the Canucks have a game in hand. Now, the Canucks and the Canadians are not going to play each other anymore this season, but Calgary and Montreal are going to play each other five more times. And I repeat, the Canadians yeah. have lost four of their last five, including five nothing loss to the Winnipeg Jets last night. They acquired John Merrill earlier this afternoon from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2021 and forward Hayden Verbeek. Let's talk about Merrill. Depth defenseman, third pairing, correct? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a number five, a number six defenseman. Um but as I mentioned earlier, this is a guy that was playing 19, 20 minutes a night for the Detroit Red Wings. He was a plus player. He's, he's, he's versatile. He's strong. He can play both sides. He's got experience down the stretch into the playoffs, playing with Vegas as well. This was a strong move. And again, the cap hit also plays a factor. It's under a million bucks. But this was a strong ad for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, again, not a star power presence, but you need these types of players especially down the stretch, especially in the playoffs. You need the unsung heroes. And John Merrill has all the attributes of that type of a player for a playoff contending team. So I like the move. You didn't give up a lot. Hayden goes to Detroit. His dad's, I believe, the assistant GM there, Pat Verbeek, former NHLer. So um, th th this, was, this was, I think, a good move again for the Canadians. You didn't give up much. You still have a lot of cap flexibility. And, and again, if, if you know an opportunity pops up, I think Mark Bergevin may pounce. Let's talk about some teams that it looks like are definitely not going to make the playoffs. You would think that those teams are going to have players that other teams are going to want. The Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. What's going on in, in Anaheim? The Ducks are pretty much wide open. Um, they've got, you know, they don't have too many guys on expiring contracts, but they have players with term on their deal that they're willing to move. Ricard Raquel, Hampus Lindholm, who's hurt right now. I believe he's about a week or so away from coming back. He fractured his wrist. So he's about a week or so away from hitting the ice again to start practicing. Uh, Josh Manson is another player, another guy with one year left on his deal. All three guys do. And then you've got guys with a little more term that they would like to move, but Tony, I don't know if they're going to. Uh, Adam Henrique and Jakob Silverberg, they've got three or four years left on their deals, big contracts, big money. I don't expect that to happen now. But the Ducks are willing to make some moves, and they've been very active in the last couple of weeks in trying to make that happen, at least building up a market for their guys. 
they're asking for a first-round pick and part of a package for all three of the guys on one-year deals, Lindholm, Raquel, and uh, Josh Manson. I don't know if they'll get it for all three, but there's a lot of interest in these players. And and if they can get some near NHL-ready players, somebody that can step in right away, I think we can see some something happen there out of Anaheim. They, they look to shake things up. I'm Marinero with the Sick Podcast. Go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICKHOODIES for 15% off on all your hoodies of all your favorite teams. I want to go back to Columbus for a second because I'm taking a look at the Central. Columbus already traded. They're already selling off. You would think they're going to do more. What are the chances? Two guys in particular have really been in the doghouse this season since being acquired. Max Domi is one. Patrick Liney is the other. Do you expect either of them to go between now and 3 p.m. tomorrow? Line A, no. I, I checked in on that, and teams have asked about Patrick Line and, and have inquired and said, well, you know, he hasn't done that well lately. Would you consider moving him? The answer right now is no. Uh, I, I think they want to reset with him. I don't believe John Tortorella will be back next season. He's a free agent. His contract expires as a head coach. They'll have a new coach come in. Um, so I'm not expecting that. Max Domi is available. And, and my understanding is Max isn't overly thrilled with being in Columbus right now. He would welcome a change. It hasn't worked out. He's got one year left on his contract. Uh, but, you know, if, if they move him, they don't want to just move him and sell him off. They want to kind of include him in a package in a hockey-type trade, talent-for-talent kind of thing. Now, with one year left before he's UFA, it might be a little bit difficult, but I would be uh, surprised, especially if, if he's there beyond his current contract. It looks like Domi will be, you know, they, they may try to move him by the deadline. It might be difficult. We may see something in the offseason take place there. What else going on in Detroit who are dead last in the Central? I'm expecting Luke Lindenning, uh, the serviceable bottom six center, yeah. Uh, to move. Uh, he's one of the best face-off guys in the league. He's got a low cap hit. I believe it's $1.8 million. Um, that is correct. Yeah, so he's he's a guy that's got, you know, low hit and a sturdy, one of those, you know, character type of players. Go in, win a face-off, get your butt off the ice, let the offensive guys take over. He's comfortable with that. Darren Helm's another guy, yeah. a veteran if player. I, if I can, a- Dave, if I could just get back to Glenn Denning in a second, for yeah. a second here. Over 60% in the circle – and his yeah. contract is up at the end of the year, so he can only help your organization with key faceoffs down the stretch. Exactly, and and you know teams that need that extra presence, um, they're going to look to him. There, there's there's no question. The Canadians kicked around a little bit, but obviously Eric Stahl is part of the equation now. Toronto did as well to a certain extent. They bring in Riley Nash, will come in come playoff time. Uh, but there are other teams that would love to get him. I think Edmonton has has looked at him as a possibility as well. Darren Helm, another guy, veteran player, won a cup with Detroit and is going to be a UFA this offseason yeah. as well. He'd welcome a change. I don't know what the market is for him right now, but um, those that's another player that they're looking to move. They have Jonathan Bernier. They have Mark Stahl. Both of these guys are UFAs, goalie and a defenseman. Stahl would like to move. They would have to eat probably half of his salary. is just over $5 million, 5.2, something like that on a cap hit. Um, but Bernier is another guy who's actually had a pretty good season uh, for, for Detroit, all things considered, where, where he's at. Uh, but you can see some teams like Washington kind of kick the tires there and see if they can bring him in uh, as, as a, a well, basically a backup or 1B type goalie. Well, speaking of Washington, of course, they're on top, tied with the Islanders in the Mass Mutual East. I'll tell you who's not on top are the Devils and the Sabres, who are 7th and 8th. They're at the bottom. 
We already talked about the Buffalo Sabres. It's expected that Taylor Hall, who makes $8 million and is has a one-year deal, this is the end of his contract, has underachieved this season. It's expected that he will be dealt between now and tomorrow's 3 p.m. NHL trade deadline. The New Jersey Devils, what do they have to offer? They've got a couple defensemen. They they had three, but Sammy Lottenen went on waivers today, and they tried to move him. Obviously, there wasn't much of a market, or at least they felt there wasn't. Um, but they have Ryan Murray, and they've got uh, Dmitry Kulikov on the back end that they're willing to move. Both of the guys are free agents at the end of the season. They're both lefty. I, I believe there was some discussion with Boston uh, before Palmieri was traded to the Islanders. I believe the Devils and, and Bruins were discussing a deal that involved Palmieri and Kulikov, obviously didn't happen, but I think they've circled back on Kulikov to see what the price tag may be. He's got a low cap hit as well. But those are two guys to look for that could possibly move. Now, again, for teams looking for goaltending for that third string, they have Aaron Dell and Scott Wedgwood that are UFAs at the end of the season as well. They've gotten some questions or some inquiries about them uh, as well. I think up front, you know, they've got Miles Wood, but I think they'd like to keep Woods. Uh, he's got a year left on his deal. Um, but I, I suspect that Murray and Kulikov certainly will probably will will be moved by the 3 p.m. deadline on Monday. On to the Montreal Canadiens we go. The Canadiens, of course, have placed Victor Mete on waivers. They acquired defenseman John Merrill, a depth defenseman, a third-pairing defenseman, earlier today from the Detroit Red Wings. The team has lost four of their last five games, what looked to be a lock to make the playoffs. And look, they're still in pretty good shape. There's no doubt about it. They are ahead of the Calgary Flames and ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. They're ahead of Calgary by six. They're ahead of Vancouver by eight. Mind you, Vancouver has a game in hand on the Canadians, and the Canadians face Calgary five times between now and the end of the season. Things have really turned uh, in terms of the fans' uh, appreciation or lack thereof for Jonathan Drouin, who uh, over the last little while here has had some really, really poor efforts and those poor efforts, and now all of a sudden, a lot more attention is being brought to the fact that five players on this team have more points than Drouin. 13 players on this team have more goals than Drouin. Drouin is the worst plus-minus player on the team, and he also plays on the same team as 36-year-old Eric Stahl, who a couple of weeks ago was acquired from probably the worst team in hockey. Drouin has two years left on his contract at the end of this season with a modified no-trade clause, but it's only a couple of teams that we're talking about. Yeah. Dave Pagnota, do you think there's a market for Jonathan Drouin? Do you think other teams are interested in him? And more importantly, do you think the Canadians would be ready to trade him? I think I think they would be willing to, um, but I think this would be very complicated to pull off. Unless they've been talking about this and, and keeping it tremendously under wraps for the last several weeks, this is probably something that would be reconsidered in the offseason. Uh, I, I think, you know, there are only a handful of untouchables or close to untouchables, I believe, on the Montreal Canadiens. Like Jonathan Drouin is not one of them. If the right deal comes into play, they would be willing to move him. That being said, if you're going to move him, the mindset would be, well, you're going to get the better player in the deal because you're going to have to package Jonathan Drouin for, you know, somebody who can slot in on the left side on a top line. It's going to be difficult to do that ahead of the deadline, but there will be some options, I believe, in the offseason if the Canadians want to go in that direction. I think for now, it's a matter of trying to inject some confidence in Drouin, and it's difficult to do sometimes. There's no question. We've seen this over the years. 
He gets down on himself. It's not working. He loses that confidence. He can't regain it just like that. And a lot of guys have that issue, but it seems to be prolonged with Jonathan Drouin. Uh, you know, he's a good talent. There's no question. But when he gets into those funks, it just takes so long to get out of it. And the Canadians are in a position or just about to be in a position where they can't afford for that to be game on game on game on game. So we'll, we'll see how this kind of goes. I don't expect, again, anything to happen before tomorrow's deadline. I'd be pretty surprised if it does. But if things don't work out for the Canadians this season and doesn't work out for Jonathan Drouin, I would believe that they're going to explore their options in the summer. I'm Marinero, the quick podcast. I'm in Montreal. He's Dave Pagnota from the fourthperiod.com. He is in Toronto, and there is a big Boston Bruins fan base that is watching us as we speak. The Boston Bruins look, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, you would think. They are four points ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers for that fourth and final playoff spot in the Mass Mutual East. They do have three games in hand on the Flyers, but the Bruins are looking for goals. There have been a shortage of goals on this team. Take a look at the Washington Capitals, who are first. They've scored 30 more goals than Boston. The New York Islanders, who usually don't score a lot of goals, have scored 14 more. The Pittsburgh Penguins have scored 33 more goals. The Bruins are looking for offense. Do you see them acquiring an offensive player? They want to, Tony. They they really do. They came close. They thought they were close on Palmieri. Didn't happen. They re-engaged in Taylor Hall, and we'll see – uh, pretty soon, I believe, what happens with Taylor Hall. They were in on him. They explored the market on Felino. I believe, you know, they're a team similar to Edmonton where they don't want to give up a first-round pick for a rental, which will make it difficult based on the prices that are being paid right now. There was a first given out to Palmieri. There was a first first for Felino. Uh-huh. It sounds like there's going to be a first involved for Taylor Hall. We'll see based on the other deals. So if Boston wants to be in on that, you got to either cough up the first round pick or you got to get creative in trying to find other options. They've explored Ricard Raquel as a possibility in going back to him in Anaheim. I think they, there could be some, some type of solution there, um, but we'll see. They have a bit of a history in trading together, so we'll see if they can come to terms on something. But Boston's looking. Yeah, It's just been tough, Tony, as you can imagine. It just hasn't worked out, and the fan base uh, – I've got a lot of family that are Bruins fans as well. Uh, yeah, they're, they're – Pretty ticked off, and and I understand why. So in a couple of minutes here, let's do a couple of speed questions, all right? Let's take a look at teams who probably believe they have a solid chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. Colorado, what are they looking for? What do they need? What are you hearing? Yeah, well, they got their goaltender. Uh, if anything, it's either, they're either going to go in on Hall if it's if it's a lower price than overall, because remember, it's a first and a prospect is what they're looking for. Yeah. So if that lowers, I can see them going after him because they almost signed him. He was the, the backup plan effectively in the offseason. It was a one-year deal, either five or five and a half million. So I can see Colorado either going there if the price drops. Otherwise, maybe look to another depth type of addition to this team because they already got their goalie. Vegas. Vegas is hamstrung. They, they don't have any cap space. So unless they're going to move out a body, I really don't see them doing too much. They, they were looking at a player – uh, like like bringing Merrill back because his cap hit was under a million bucks. So if there's someone in and around that million dollar range from a depth perspective, I, I can see them looking at, at at that possibility. But it also may result in some bodies going out. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they stand pat. Carolina, they want a defenseman. They're trying. Um, they're in on Manson. They 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 were in on Savard, but they they prefer a guy that can be part of it. Uh, their their mix beyond these playoffs in this season. You know, they they scratched Hayden Flurry that raised some eyebrows the other night. They're expecting to include him in some type of deal. 
it looks like they will get a defenseman, a right shot defenseman. It's just a matter of of who it's going to be. But Manson's a guy to, to certainly watch out for there. Florida. Florida's an interesting one because, you know, they signed Nikita Gusev today. They bring in Montour, as you mentioned yesterday. They still have some cap flexibility. I think they're in a similar position to Colorado. If the prices drop, they could kind of get into that mix. They were in on Hull earlier. I think they kind of took a couple steps back there. But we'll see exactly if if they engage. But again, if the prices drop, I think Florida would take a look at adding again. But they seem pretty comfortable now. Ever since the Pittsburgh Penguins drafted Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, they go all in every year. You would expect this year is going to be no different. Pittsburgh. They're looking at depth guys. They inquired about Felino to a certain extent, but they would they'd love to be in a position to bring in somebody on the top six, primarily on the second unit. Mm-hmm. But they're a little depleted in terms of prospects and draft picks. They don't have a first, a second, and a fourth, I believe, or they got a second or a third. I can't remember, but they're missing three of the top four rounds. They don't have a deep prospect pool, so it's going to be a little bit difficult. But because of the marketplace this year, I could see them making some moves for for some depth pieces. Um, they'd love to be able to upgrade their defense, but it might be a little bit complicated ahead of the deadline. In ending here on the Montreal Canadiens, two more questions, but Deneau's contract is up at the end of the year. Tatar's yep. contract is up at the end of the year. Armia's contract is up at the end of the year. Do you see the Montreal Canadiens moving any of those players at the risk of maybe losing them at the end of the year for nothing if they can't get them signed? I think they'll hang tight with these guys. They, they obviously like what they bring in the room. They like what they, what they bring overall. Um, you know, I, I, you also, the other thing to keep into consideration here is the expansion draft. I would rather, if you've got some kind of understanding that you're going to figure out something after the draft, um, you know, you don't want to necessarily sign them beforehand because then you, you, you're forcing yourself to protect them. Yeah. So we'll see exactly what, what happens here with the Canadians. Um, on that front, I think they'll. I think both sides had an understanding on Dano anyway. That you know, after the season started, they were going to wait until the playoffs got under. Uh, excuse me, until the offseason, the playoffs were done before they reconvened on on contract negotiations. Sounds like it'll be the same thing with the other guys. Um, they'd like to keep them, but you know, we'll ultimately see how that unfolds. I'd be surprised if any of those guys are moved. We'll end, with this. we'll end with this. If the Montreal Canadiens acquire one player between now and the 3 p.m. deadline tomorrow, who will it be and where do you think Taylor Hall will go? Uh, I think, and I may have a quick update here, nothing yet, um, but there are two teams that are, that are pushing, it seems like, from my phone blowing up. Um, the Islanders have circled back on Hall, and the Washington Capitals are in on that. So we'll keep tabs on that um, to see where that goes. As far as the Canadians – uh, it's 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 tough to say. I think if 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 as I mentioned, if a price drops for one of the top guys, top you know, like Taylor Hall, for example, I think the Canadians would pounce. I don't think it'll happen because it sounds like that's going to be figured out tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have a name for you. I knew uh, Merrill. I thought for sure. I, I don't really have a name for you at this stage, unless again prices drop. I think the the Canadians will kind of lurk in the weeds and see if it does happen. If there's no real name, that means possibly possibly that their cap situation is so bad and the Montreal Canadiens will not be able to pull off anything between that and between now and tomorrow. This was it. It was NHL (laughs) trade deadline live. The deadline of course is tomorrow, Monday, April 12th at 3 PM. He is Dave Pagnota of the fourth period. I'm Marinero. You can listen to us on all social media platforms and you can watch us on Facebook and Instagram at the sick podcast, like it and share it with your friends. 
Dave Peñota, thanks for doing this, man. Have a great NHL trade deadline. I can't wait. Hopefully tomorrow's exciting, Tony. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid.